Hi, this is Jerry Conway, and you're listening to Amazing Spider Talk. Welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdin, and I'm the editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog. Thanks for joining us for the second episode of Amazing Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yes, and for episode two, we'll be discussing Amazing Spider-Man issue number two by Dan Slott and Umberto Ramos. Then we'll answer some fan mail, give away some prizes, and then conclude by discussing Amazing Spider-Man annual number one. Don't forget, if you hear this sound, please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. Mark, we're going to get right to it. Let's talk about Amazing Spider-Man number two. Okay, Dan. Well, Amazing Spider-Man number two, um, you know, after the setup from the very first issue uh, last month, uh, what I thought was really interesting here was there was this overarching theme throughout the comic of kind of, you know, Spider-Man and Peter catching up on what he missed, kind of almost borrowing from the man at a time uh, motif from Captain America and then also later from Human Torch. Um, I, I liked the idea that, you know, we had been reading Superior Spider-Man for the last 16 months and it was, you know, it was Spider-Man with a secret. His big secret is that he was Dr. Octopus. And I felt like this issue, there was a lot of focus on uncovering secrets and there was like a lot of honesty and candor in this issue. And it was really refreshing to have a Spider-Man comic book that just read so, so honestly. Yeah, well, that honesty goes straight into um, the way that Peter Parker chooses to deal with Anna Maria. And I thought that his, you know, just flat out coming with the truth was really refreshing for once in a book that's usually so full of deceit and lies. And it makes you wonder, like, you know, if it, it, it took him this quick to unveil his secret, I guess Anna Maria found out his secret. But if he can be this honest with this woman so immediately, what's up with his relationship with Aunt May? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, although, although maybe this is, is this a sign of Peter, you know, second chance on life, maybe not, you know, trying to not repeat some of the same mistakes or deceits that he did in, in prior iterations. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, that Anna Maria scene to me was was just a, a slice of happiness, man. I really enjoyed the beats of that, how it was paced. His reaction, her reaction, his reaction to her reactions. Um, 
everything just really kind of it was this was some of the most restrained and smartest dialogue i've seen from a dance lot comic i think um i think it, it might just, be the smartest dialogue we've seen in a dance lot comic yeah i mean just the, i mean that whole sequence of her coming out well i need to bake there was there was such a, a there was something so real and sincere about that character interaction and you're right he, he you know for all intents and purposes peter just met this girl um so the fact that he's able to be as honest with her i mean what is it you know it says something about him maybe but it certainly says something about anna maria as a person that she's able to kind of um bring out that trust and and that kind of uh um honesty from somebody um i am yeah. waiting i am waiting to see what the ramifications of this be will be for the character i imagine she's using the baking to kind of dodge dealing with her issues on this um, and, and I want to know if she feels like abused, if this was traumatic, you know, like she can bury her feelings for now, but you know, I got to think it's going to come back to a dramatic moment later. But if this is all that we get of Anna Maria dealing with this, I'm not going to be very happy about it. But for now, it seems as though this is a, an interesting, you know, change for the character of kind of bottling up how she feels about this. Yeah, and I would say that what makes it interesting is the fact that there is a lot of latitude in where things can go. You know, like, yeah, if they just, you know, tie it up from here, that's disappointing. But kind of this evasion from her um, and, and, and not taking it on head on. It opens up possibilities, like you said. Is is is, is she gonna? Is is this gonna become a trauma? Is this gonna be something that she overcomes? Is this gonna be something that she's okay with, angry with? Um, is she gonna fall for Peter? Who knows? You know what I mean? Like, and and all these pieces have been set up by by this one little very quiet scene. There you go. You know, we talked about this during Superior. Those quiet scenes that Dan Slott does, they're good. Um, he should do more of them, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, at, at, with, between this and Learning to Crawl, you know, I, I'm kind of just enjoying this Dan Slott, you know. Um, I wrote in my review on the site that, you know, this issue doesn't have, like, end-of-the-world consequences, but it's better than that. It has, like, real consequences. Yeah. So, um, you want to talk about a couple other little things that precede the Anna Maria scene? Most notably, uh, we get to see a little bit more of this new character that was teased on the opening page of Amazing Spider-Man number one that we know to be Silk, the other spider character. I thought uh, this was a pretty effective teaser for Silk in, in in issue number two. What about you? Yeah, I agree, too. I'm curious why we can't see her face because I don't, like, know that if we saw this person's face, it would... It would uh, mean anything to us, so it makes me wonder if they're trying to hide who the actual identity of this person is, um, right? Because I mean, what would a face mean to us? Yeah, I mean, although I mean, are they hiding the face because she's disfigured, or or yeah, maybe, or or maybe you know, like like Peter, she's someone who wants to maintain a secret identity, and the creators like trying to kind of you know, tongue in cheekly acknowledge that i don't know you know what i mean but i will say if i could be like one of those people for a second i was kind of questioning a bit that she was plugging in the 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 video of spider-man fighting electro at the tv studio and she was yeah, i think that was amazing spider-man number 82 
and she was quoting that as like, oh, it's the second second Electra Spider Man fight. So I mean, are we not taking untold tales of Spider Man out of out of canon? Because I think there were a couple of Electro fights within that, right, Dan? Do we know that it was necessarily eighty two that she was showing on the TV? Oh, absolutely. I recognize because they even showed Electro. It looked like the um this double splash page that I featured on Chasing Amazing when I wrote about this issue. <laughs> um, where Electro is like shooting his bolts um, over like the studio audience and stuff like that. So uh, it, okay. it, I, I'm, I'm definitely gonna gonna stick you know stick my flag in the ground there and say that's number 82 there. But I, I'm, I'm I really don't care. I'm not really holding Dan Slott's feet to the fire on continuity. But it, I, it does raise an interesting question, especially as we're dealing with learning to crawl you know, over the next few months. Um, where does Untold Tales of Spider-Man kind of fit into canon right now? Because I was always under the impression that it is considered canon, but they don't get referenced a whole lot, so who knows? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, at some point you're going to, you know, you kind of start bouncing up against these things of what, what we consider canon and what we don't, or like how much knowledge do we expect people to know, you know? Yeah. Although when it comes to Dan Slott, he generally – no one knows continuity quite like Dan's. So. Oh, man. He made some <laughs> obscure references back during like the brand new day time and you're like, what is where, – where is this character coming from? Right. Yeah. 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 No, he he is good at that. That's true. So, yeah, hold him to it, Mark. No, nah, it's okay. I really don't care. I don't want I don't want people uh, you know, we got to loosen up a bit, Dan. So, I just <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you're really not letting this one go. No, I don't let it go cuz I got to loosen up. Um so what about Electro in this issue though? Um it looks like they're they're trying to make Electro into this kind of tragic figure and I like it. I I I like the character beats with him here. Yeah, I mean, all the character work that's been done with Electro and all of his recent appearances, I think, you know, like any of these villains, they were kind of created, like, to not be particularly deep, you know. Like, Electro was struck by lightning and decided to rob banks. Not a particularly, like, you know, inspiring origin story. Um, although I, I do love that Dicko issue. And I bought that one this week. Ah, huzzah, so, huzzah. So there you go. Um, yes. it's, it's an electrified week for me. Um <laughs> I know that was really that was really terrible, but Electro. Um, oh, okay. Um, so, but um, it was interesting one to see him kind of resemble his movie counterpart for Beta Page. Yeah, and I thought that was kind of a fun, you know, a wink and nod. But yeah, the Electro stuff in here to me, I, I liked it, but it does feel like the weakest part of the story, and it does feel kind of shooed in. But you know, um, any kind yeah. of additional work on Electro's character, I, I, I'm all for. Well, as I say, I mean, we're giving him more motivation. I mean, you know, now because of his inability to control his powers, you know, he kills somebody that he didn't want to. You know, he's a little his, hooked like, up there. His groupie. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like you said, it, it, it's adding layers. I think it's setting it up. It's not just going to – because, you know, we got asked back, I think it was in our Superior Spider Talk days, you know, in anticipation of the movie, what our favorite Electro stories were. And you kind of have to scrape the bottom of the barrel. I mean, there are some okay Electro stories, but there are not a lot of great ones. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's just not many, too many dimensions to the character. And, you know, we could talk about what they did with him in the movie, whether we agreed with it or not. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, like you just said, his initial origin, as fun as that issue was, is, you know, guy in a crazy costume robs banks. You know, like, yeah, there's that's it. So, I mean, I welcome it. I welcome that Dan is Dan Slott's trying to kind of 
bring it up um and make it personal yeah exactly you know give 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 it stakes you know we at, at this point we got electro and soon and we'll find out soon black cat gunning for spider-man and you know they, they're gonna have reasons too which is you know we we talk about this all the time you know villains what's their motivation do they even have motivation they just do stuff um so when someone actually goes to the trouble trying to give the motivation i applaud it yeah what do you think about the electro spidey fight that was i guess instigated by the death of his uh hookup i mean it was fine enough i mean it was it was well illustrated uh in terms of roberto ramos and company but it kind of seemed like it was here and it was done yeah i thought the, the end of it was a bit awkward like he gets a little bit of water on him and he's like all right that's it i'm calling it a day i'll see you next issue yeah, <laughs> there is a part three to this arc, <laughs> and I will see you for it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it, it was it was kind of uninspiring, but uh, you know, I, it, to me that was the weakest part of the issue for me. I mean, like you know, I, all all of the character stuff and some of the jokes. There was some funny. There was some more funny stuff in this issue. Yeah. Oh man, I was cracking up. Um, Spider Man in the pants. Yep. Yep. Oh my goodness, that was great! I mean, that's a, that's a great gag, great great callback to the first issue. Um, I like that, that Spider Woman is eating the cookies in the background the whole issue. Yes, yes. I mean that 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 Avengers sequence. I mean, you know, to me, if you're gonna work the Avengers into a Spider-Man comic, this is how they should be. And yes, I know it's like round number five hundred of testing on Spider-Man, and we've done this and been there and done that and all that, but. That was still a fun sequence, and I really liked how they kind of followed the through line on that and, and actually kind of had it end a little differently. Yeah, I didn't love that Spider-Man out of nowhere, like, cold punches uh, Captain America. Like, it just seemed like an odd beat, you know, yeah. for this guy. And, like, you know, I, I like the resolution with Captain America, but, like... Why is Spidey upset about this whole identity thing? Like, didn't he and Captain America fight on the same side of a war that was all about preserving identities? I don't think it's so much about identity. I think it's it's about it's it's Flash and it's the symbiote. You know what I mean? I mean, those are two very personal things for Spider-Man, and, and you know, yeah. and and you know, there there is some, I think, lines drawn by the fact that he was not at least made somewhat aware that something was going on there you know what i mean and and you know like they they they, they put him through the ringer over the last you know x number of months and and it's like but you know no one ever bothered to mention the flash situation to him which seems a little a little bit of a betrayal i, I mean i get what you're saying it's a bit of a leap to him to cold cock captain america but i also i i I liked that there was the revelation there. I mean, again, it kind of ties into what I was saying at the beginning of, of the review here was that this idea of people coming clean, you know, like like this really is a fresh start. It's like, you know, things that have been, you know, secrets that have been uh, kept under wraps for, for a while now are now finally starting to come true. And people are dealing with them. I can't always say in the, in mature ways, but but like in ways that they're being dealt with, you know, like yeah. like I like that, you know, it's not just like oh okay next page, you know, like like there seems to be forward momentum with with some of these these secrets being revealed, and that's that's important. Well, speaking of momentum, I thought that this issue was wonderfully paced. Yes, um, you know, we talked about having these scenes, these quieter scenes, but you know. Um, the whole thing seemed to be comprised of these. And even when it's big and flashy, 
the scenes were long enough, like the fight was sustained. You know, it makes me like happy to wait a month. You know, I'm not getting a ton of material like Dan Slott tends to talk about how he wants to pack these books full. But this is what I would prefer. Like, you know, having a, a nice, meaty, you know, character-based, you know, issue. Yeah, no, I I I I agree with that. Um talking of character, that that sequence with um Peter and Johnny towards the end, Johnny Storm. Oh yeah. Just good stuff. I mean, Dan Slott really knows how to write those two together. Um, you know, I, I, I would tell anybody out there if you haven't yet, try and read a copy of Spider Man Human Torch the Mini that it, it was actually Dan Slott's first sustained work on Spider Man outside of a Ren and Stimpy issue that he wrote in the 90s. Uh, <laughs> true story. Yeah. Um, but, it, it, I mean, it's it's like he just really has a grasp for how those two characters are with each other. And, and you know, it's that scene where Johnny is like, oh, yeah, well, you know, when I was in the negative zone, like, I, it's crazy. Like, I've forgotten that Johnny Storm has been killed and brought back in, like, the last couple of years. You know what I mean? Well, like, that scene, he doesn't have his powers now. I had no idea. Well, I've been reading. I, I've actually been reading the new James Robinson um, Fantastic Four series, which is excellent. Um, so I was up to speed on that. Um, it's like really like old school, like you know, Silver Age era Fantastic Four fun, um, with a little bit of a darker modern undertone. But I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I definitely should. Um, uh, yeah, but, I like that scene and um, a lot because you get these two characters kind of almost like commenting on death in marvel comics but normally when like writers comment on death in marvel comics it's to kind of make fun of the trope of how and how overused death and recurrences in marvel comics but here they kind of accept it and and talk about it and in a way that's like not making fun of other writers which i appreciated because it's dan slot doesn't really have a you know a soapbox to stand on for that because he did use that trope so like i like that the characters acknowledge it and um like even in ultimate spider-man uh number one that we got like there's a whole sequence where they're talking about death but that one almost seemed to make fun of it this, yeah. this one is more of a, like a, an embracing of well that's our cult like the culture here and uh and we have like a support group for that yeah it's very it's reverential like and which has kind of been like my word du jour with dan slot lately which is been great you know like yeah I, it's not it's not it's meta but it's not like self-critical meta it's like yeah. celebratory well i mean and and dan slot shouldn't be critical i mean like you said he, he used that trope to a degree i mean he put a spin on it but you know so but yeah i mean but there's there's again it's there's an honesty to it like it, to hear these characters talk about these things so openly like i'm just not used to that in spider-man like you know i mean Please going beyond Superior Spider Man. I mean, you know the, the the earliest days of Spider Man. There's always this. No one can be fully honest with each other because you know we have identities to protect and people to protect and girlfriends to protect. And 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 here it's just you know we could talk about oh yeah well I was dead once and this is what I did and it's like yeah you know because if you're not being so self conscious and commenting on it, that's how someone would talk about that in this in this kind of a universe, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, so when that happened to me, you know, <laughs> it's, like, it's like how we would talk about like, oh, remember that time we did this? Yeah. You know, remember that like, time you didn't know what a no prize was? Oh, my goodness. Well, now, <laughs> now that just 
cancels everything. Um, so we, 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 we've talked about some of these character moments. Do you want to talk about Ramos here? Well, before we get into that, I'd love to talk about the ending. What did you think about this turn oh, that Peter is going to open his own criminal prison? I like I, I like that, and I think it's a good way to keep the connection to Spider-Man in a way where you know he swore off Spider-Man, but you know Peter, being Peter, found a way to play to his strengths, keep that connection underground, so to speak, and and I and I like this idea again, playing off of Peter coming back and new lease on life. Like, what am I going to do? I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna make a prison. That's gonna be the best that people can't break out of, you know, like because the yeah. raft was the raft was a joke. I mean, I'm gonna solve my problems and the city's problems at the same time. Yeah, you know, like the, the the raft was created to be broken out of. It was broken out of in its very first appearance. Well, it should, it should be interesting. I think it's a bit odd for a company to do a 180 like that. But um, uh, here I'm gonna say this right now, and mm-hmm. it probably won't up being true, but. Let me just say this, because as soon as I read this, I thought, oh, my God, Prison Warden Jonah. (laughs) You're just trying to get something else besides Papa Jonah over with listeners. And and we just want to remind you that Prison Warden Jonah could be okay. But when I think of Jonah, I think of fresh pizza, fresh ingredients, Papa Jonah. So now can we talk Ramos, Dan? Yeah, let's talk some Ramos. Because I know you love yourself some Ramos, and Ramos is big-chested women. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? I like his drawings women. I just want a little more variety. Okay, understood. Well, he put most of his women in lab coats in this issue. Is that okay with you? Well, or? there was the woman with the tank top that was, you know, got the, the heart of lightning through it on her chest. <laughs> and then she got lightning through her heart. So There you, you go. Know. Kazinga. Wait, Kazinga? Bazinga. <laughs> Here, here's, here's the thing. I'll give him some slack because, like, if that woman had gotten electrocuted and deep fried like she did and still had, like, an enormous chest, I would have been a, a lot more offended. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want my corpses to be busty. <laughs> All right. Moving on. What did you think of Ramos in this issue? Uh, this is really good. This is some of the – I really liked the last few Ramos arcs. Um on superior and i i would say that the, the art here is definitely in line with that i found like re, the, the, his faces were really expressive in in this issue and this is you know like you know we talk about uh, with common coley a lot especially during the goblin nation arc like oh he draws people in costume great but his people out of costume aren't and this is what we're uh, to me this is what i'm referring to it's like you know yes the, the, people can sometimes criticize the anatomy when Ramos draws it, but look look at his faces with Peter. That face where Peter is is eating the cookie batter, you know, like like those those are like the the expressiveness that you just a lot of artists don't put the time into in a superhero comic. And Ramos nails it, and and, and it really advances the story, especially when it's something as character driven as this. Yeah, so, this reminds me a lot of like uh, Ultimate Spider Man kind of mm-hmm. writing with these kind of. Scenes and, and it requires the artist to do the real heavy lifting. Um, and, and yeah, I thought he nailed it. Um, yeah, no, this was this was one of my fam- my favorite Ramos issues. I'd say I'm I'm ready to put Ramos, you know, approaching a group like John Romita Jr. in terms of his skills on this character. Wow! Um, it, but especially with this art team behind him, with Delgado and uh, Olizaba, I think are doing an amazing job. Yeah, I mean, those two have to 
I think, be attached to Ramos because, I mean, those two definitely get the very best work out of him. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm quite as ready to elevate him. I mean, he's definitely he's definitely my favorite artist um, from the last few years. I mean, I would say going back to, like, Brand New Day era, I mean, I, I have such a soft spot for Marcos Martin. Um, but, I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, join the club, right? Um but no, Ramos is, you know, like in terms of sustained success and, and, and evolution, I mean, that's the other big important thing with Ramos is he always he's getting better. You know, like like the fact that, that an artist can do that and, and still approve. Like you look back at those early Paul Jenkins issues and look what he does now. It's like two different artists. Yeah. Yeah. They're unrecognizable. And, and, and to, to continue on that thought, reading like the Paul Jenkins issues, I think. You know, like the death of uh, the Green Goblin issues and stuff. They're um, they're almost unreadable in terms of their like layout. They're like hard to follow. Mm. Like the layouts in this are just amazing. There's that great sequence that we talked about the Human Torch at the um, Statue of Liberty. The mm-hmm. way he guides your eye up the statue to find the small Spider-Man using the word balloons. So that would be on the lettering, but like you know, but it's clearly there and laid out in the page. And I don't think any other Spider-Man book just reads as joyfully and as easily as Ramos's stuff does. I mean, everything just flows just right. It's it's clear that one of his biggest concerns is how you read the page. Yeah. So sounds like you like this issue a lot, Dan. So what did you think in terms of grades? Well, I really like this issue. I have a couple things that, you know, it, it, it does feel kind of like a in-between thing. I'm ready for a big dramatic moment. Um, I gave it a B plus. Um, I'm, I'm going a half a grade higher than you. I'm going to say A minus. Um, I, I thought this was that much better than, than the first issue. And I'm really, really into the story and the character moments right now. So uh, really good issue for me. Look at us going a complete 180 here after the end of Superior. Well, you know, when you give us good character, consistent characterization, good art, that's what you get. So (laughs) I can't disagree. I could easily have given this an A minus. Well, well, you didn't. So you have to be different. But that's okay. We love you anyway, Dan. Whoa. Now let's get to some comments and emails. Okay, everybody. So, as always, you can leave us your comments on iTunes and on Stitcher by uh, searching and subscribing to uh, Amazing Spider Talk. You can search on Amazing Spider Talk or just on Spider-Man. We come up pretty quickly. Uh, And if you have an email that you want us to uh, talk about on the air, you can email us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com. Um, first, uh, in terms of uh, some of the comments we've received on our uh, subscription services, so this is from iTunes. So our first uh, iTunes comment here is by Derek Fields. Derek writes, public service, five out of five stars. Really enjoyable show. It's a shame more books don't get this sort of treatment. The hosts are like a living Spider-Man wiki page and know much more about the history than I do. They disagree with each other, and I disagree with both of them on occasion, which makes for a good show. There's too many fanboy apologists Dull bobs and angry fans being the most vocal on the forums. The only thing missing is they don't share my deep-seated contempt for baby talk cursing. I'm not even <laughs> sure what that is. <laughs> baby talk cursing? So, like, would you come here and touch my uh, witty witty or something? 
<laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Is that a lot in Spider-Man comics? It's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I don't like that either. So there you go, Derek. There we, there we go. So what's, what's, what's our next comment, Dan? All right. Our next comment comes from Scott Kilkenny. And uh, it's called Something Amazing Comes This Way, 5 out of 5. And he says, this is an NPR quality level of podcast for our friendly neighborhood superhero. Nuff said. NPR, eh? So do you want to have some sweaty balls? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, Scott, actually, that, that was a really nice comment. Um, you know, Mark can tell you how picky I am about audio levels and quality. It means a lot to me to hear, you know, that you're considering us on that level because I, I love NPR. So, uh, thanks. You, thanks Scott. You would Dan. Yeah, I would. Okay. Get over it. <laughs> um, next comment is by Eric Schneidiger. Digger. Uh, it's all one word, so I can't read his name in tune that way. Uh, dare I call myself a Spidey fan? Five out of five stars. I recently found this podcast and listened to every episode in less than two weeks. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is that is daunting. I have been into all things Spider-Man since I was two. However, I'm no one, nowhere near the level of fan as these two. I love hearing their take on the new and the old. Can't wait for more. I love the idea that there's a guy out there that listened to, like, 40-some hours of us in two weeks. Like, Mark, we were the majority of his week. I mean, like, I could see someone doing that for, like, the full run of Breaking Bad or something. But for Spider Talk? I mean, that's impressive. Yeah, he must he must have a job wherein he's like, able to listen to podcasts or something. But, yeah, that's awesome. That's, like, a full work week worth of listening. So congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> good, good job. You did it. You get a medal. Um, <laughs> our next comment comes from Jason Jaroslawski. I, I think I probably slaughtered that. Um, and it's from Canada. Um, and it's called Spectacular 5 Out of 5. I only recently discovered your podcast, guys, and I'm loving it. I have been collecting Spidey myself for decades, and it's fun to hear informative, passionate reviews on the world of Spider-Man comics. Keep up the great work, Excelsior. Well, thanks, Jason, uh, from up north. Uh, I don't know that I've said this on the show, but last time I was in Canada, I got my front tooth punched out. <laughs> Wait, now I'm remembering that I did mention this on the show. Yes, I think it's a favorite story of yours. Yeah, like yeah. Were you at the local Tim Hortons? Dan? No, I was, <laughs> I was at a bar. It was, yeah, it was yeah, bad yeah. news. Anyway, okay. um, you know, speaking of... Um, you know, uh, reviews from outside the country. I know that there are a ton of reviews from the UK, and um, I wanted to mention that I do check the uh, overseas reviews, um, but the ones that I, we had reason we haven't read those ones is because I included them in uh, the the 35 reviews from our first episode. So um, you guys were considered part of the drawing. But anything from the UK and Canada that I receive from now on, I will include in the show. But if you're a listener that isn't from America, Canada, or the UK. There's just so many you know countries, and I know that we have a lot of listeners there, so I check those. Please email us, you know, and say that you reviewed our show in a different country, and I'm happy to you know read those on the air for you. I just I can't check every country on the planet every uh, episode, so that's just my word to you guys. All right, Dan, thanks for that. And and just before we we get to email, I do want to share uh, in the viewers screen. Um, just how great our fans are and how awesome of a concept I created here, Dan. This is from our reader, uh, from our listener, Chris Dunn. 
And 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 look at that, Dan. That that is that is a that is a heck of an image, don't you think? Yeah, you're really pushing me here to add this in. I might just not add it. Um, I'm I'm expecting that you're all going to be looking down at your screen right now and see a new advertisement for it's J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson's head on Papa J- John's pizza, but it says Papa Jonah's pizza. This is the greatest the greatest thing in the history of the universe. Um, Chris, <laughs> okay, uh, you know what? I will admit it, Chris. This is pretty cool. Yes, yes, and and it's evidence that they're listening, or at least listening to me, Dan. So, oh God, that's so, like the worst sign of of all. So until until you know, we get more th- memes about your funny things. Uh, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Send us more Ramos boob jokes. Ramos boob jokes. There you go. Um, let's just do a quick email here. We got one. It's from Brian Jacob, uh, who who enjoyed our review on the uh, Mark Wade, James Robinson family business original graphic novel. And Brian asked us, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about Mark Wade's run on Amazing Spider-Man, as well as recommend any stories that would be worth checking out. Um, what, do, what do you think of Mark Wade, Dan? I think Mark Wade is... Um you know, he's kind of like Dan Slott. Um, he's had some great stories, and he's had ones that I'm not super fond of. Um, I, you know, most of them come from the whole Brand New Day era, and um, that was a tough era. And I think, actually, his work is kind of, um, you know, synonymous with the quality of that era. You have a great issue followed up by a not-so-great one, and I think his work is kind of reflective of that. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously Mark Wade. You know, he carries a lot of clout in the industry. I mean, you know, he, he, he did so much good work, I mean, in the 90s, which was kind of an era that was uh, without good work, or at least without a lot of it. <laughs> um, you know, like Kingdom Come and his work on Captain America and The Flash. And I mean, you know, um, I think Wade's current run on Daredevil is fantastic. His work on Spider-Man was good. I don't know if it was great. And, you know, like I... I distinctively remembering some fans when Marvel was kind of switching up everybody's assignments during Marvel now in 2013, you know, some people were wondering why they kept Ted slot on for Spider-Man and that Mark Wade should have gotten it. I don't know if I need to see Mark Wade on a full-time run on Spider-Man. I mean, you know, they want him to fill in some issues here and there. Um, that's great. I don't know if his handle of the character is, is that exceptional. Um, you know, unscheduled stop is a great story. Was that that's 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 brand new day era. That's like five eighty something, right, Dan? Or um, it's, um, I think it's like five seventy eight and five seventy nine. That sounds about right. Um, and then you know, during the um, Gauntlet's uh, run of comics uh, in the six hundreds, there's a great three part uh, Electro uh, storyline that I really like by Mark Wade. Yeah, Power to the People. Yeah, which was kind of funny, tongue in cheek. Um, everything else, you know. Was good, not great, or wasn't great. But I, I mean, uh, you know, are there any other stories that stick out to you, Dan, from Mark Wade? Not really. I mean, like he wrote Origin of the Species, which I didn't think was very good. That closed out Brand New Day. There's some interesting things in it, but overall, it's just kind of, I don't know. He doesn't seem like a guy. He's done a lot of Daredevil crossover stories, which were okay, but the Daredevil characterization was always better than Spider-Man's. And and even even unscheduled stop, I think, is really more notable for its introduction of you know JJJ Senior, and for Marcus Martins, like um, I will say that might be his best artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. You know, and uh, the you know the image of Spider-Man lifting, you know the 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 rocks with the rats all over his back. I mean, that's an iconic image if ever there was one. Uh, although it's aping other iconic imagery. 
Um, right, right. But yeah, I mean, like it, it was. It's fine. I just, yeah, he's not a guy that I was like. I'm itching for a Spider-Man run from. Yeah, no, but the, it's an interesting question, and you know, yeah, I think we're in agreement on this one, Dan. So why don't why don't? Sorry, what were you gonna say? Yeah, but check out un, unscheduled stop. I, I, you know, I would recommend it. You know, he did the Jameson as mayor thing too, and that's interesting enough. <laughs> you sound so inspired. I'm not. Uh, I, I'm not. But I, you know, those stories are are they're good. They're fine. You know. So after after providing some inspiration, why don't we talk about um, people giving to our show, Dan? Awesome. <laughs> Now is the time of the show where we thank all the wonderful people who have decided to donate some of their hard-earned money to the show and have opted to join the friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. This week we have no additional members, but we do have some rewards to give out. So each episode we assign each member a number and randomly decide who gets what free digital comic from us. This week's winners are Thomas Aiello for uh, All New Ultimates number 2. And uh, Brad Prosciutto gets a code for Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man number one, which is an issue I like quite a lot. There you go. Uh, and if you want to become a member of the friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club and support our show, please go to our sites and click on the giant button that reads Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. <sighs> Why did we name it that? Uh, it's $20 a year. That's about 60 cents a show. And for every $20 you donate, an additional year will be added to your membership. Yeah, so if you are one of the people that received a code today, make sure you email us to get your codes uh, in an email. But for the rest of you guys, what do you get for joining our membership? Tons. You're going to get digital comics like we just did and other Spidey swag. We will also be recording listener-requested content that could be reviews of comics that you request or topics you want addressed by us. The only way to request something is to become a member. So what are you doing? Seriously, what are you doing? Head over to our pages, click on the button, become a member of the most long-winded club name in the world, the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. Do it, it is, now. Do it. Do it. Just do it. Peer yes. pressure. And now, let's talk some classic comics. Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 1. Well, Mark, here it is. Amazing Spider-Man annual number one. Can we settle the debate on annuals today? Well, I would definitely say without question that this is an annual that counts. All right. See, now now it sounds like you're mincing some words here. Well, you know, I think as a general Spider-Man enthusiast, um, if you don't own this, you at least have to try and read it at some point in your life. Um, I, I remember having a conversation with another blogger once about this comic, and, and that person called it a wonder of the world. 
And I think that's a very aptly named, um, you know, aptly described uh, comic here because this this thing is just so ambitious and filled with content and pretty splash pages and fun and, and silliness and seriousness. And uh, I, I just I just love everything that's in this comic. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And that's why I've got my copy of it sitting next to me right now. Oh really? Are you stroking it like like uh, Mr. Pigglesworth or something? Or <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I, I'm just, but I'm using it to gloat because I know you don't have one. I don't have one. I have I have Annual Six, the reprint, which was you know ties into my why annuals don't count because I had to pay thirty bucks for a reprint of this thing. Okay. All right. So, All right, so, Mark. So so if you really want to go down that road. But seriously, where else can you open a comic book and get a picture of Peter Parker's house? <laughs> that's exactly what I wanted. I, but that's the kind of silly stuff that's in this thing, or, or how Stan and Steve make the comics. I mean, I love that bit. Yeah. Um, more, more on that later. I'd like to talk about that later. Okay, we can we can certainly talk about that. Um, but you know, it, if we're being totally honest here. There's this plot is a little flimsy, right? Yeah, yeah. I, flimsy, flimsy is a loose word for it. I mean, you know, I mean. Well, first of all, you gotta love how like every other page on this comic is like a cross promotion for another title. I mean, you know, you think you think Marvel is bad now with like you know the tie-ins and the crossovers. I mean, like you know, Spider-Man swinging around and like Thor just flies by him with with his with his hammer, and it's like read read Journey into Mystery. Or it's like, oh look, he's, hang- he's Spider-Man's hanging on a lamppost. The Fantastic Four are there, but they're not going to help because they're dealing with things in their own series. I my, mean, my favorite moment is when Johnny legitimately like kind of fights him for a second, and he's like, "I want to help out," and Spider-Man's like, "No, this is my story." <laughs> Stanley was nothing if not subtle. Well, it's just <laughs> it's just funny because it's like you wouldn't you'd think he would go like. Hey, actually, my aunt and ex-girlfriend are in serious trouble right now. Maybe I, maybe I should go help them. Right. And but, I could use the help. But it's his story, so why would he share, you know, and, and he's, you know, it's Ditko, it's Ayn Rand. You know, he wouldn't be taking handouts. Well, it's nice to know that by, uh, you know, issue 600, he's come around on, on allowing the Human Torch to share a moment with him. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, to me, the, the the most implausible thing of this whole um, comic is obviously the premise of the Sinister Six and the fact that they're gonna they're gonna get revenge on Spider Man by teaming up but fighting him one at a time. <laughs> this is the kind of story that proves don't listen to Doc Ock. You gotta always listen to the Vulture. Yeah, the Vulture was like you know. Like he's kind of like um, you know making another Austin Powers reference. He's like Scott, and and you know like just shoot him. You know like yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Why don't we just all team up? Yeah. What's the like, point of this if we don't team up? Like like it's 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 it's, it's the Sinister Six, but you know run the gauntlet of them. Like you know and 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 the ending of it is Doc Ock and Scuba Gear. So and you know you so know that Doc Ock like. Built, uh, rigged that drawing that he would be the last one. Oh, absolutely! And, and with his, gi- I like that they just uh, they have all these giant locations assembled to fight Spider-Man in the the giant uh, fishbowl has got to be the best. Yes, yes, but you know the, the 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 beauty of doing these villains one at a time is each one gets this really stunning splash page from Steve Ditko. I mean, you know, this is 
you know, for people who who want to give Ditko credit as a creator of Spider-Man, but don't always think his art is the best because it's a little too cartoonish. I mean, those splash pages are something, right? Yeah, they're really, really something else. I, I love everything with Electro in this. Yes. Um, there's a moment, you know, one of the other stories that's going on here, if there's not enough story in this this issue, although maybe there's not a ton of story in this issue, but Peter, like, psychosomatically, like, loses his powers. Yes. And I love the moment where he decides, you know what? It's my responsibility. Powers or not, I'm going to walk into the Electro's, you know, the danger of the Electro and just face him. And there's this wonderful drawing from Dicko that really shows the scale of this where the small little Peter is, like, walking towards Electro, like, not even swinging on his web. He's just walking into doom, you know? And I thought that that was really a wonderful moment. Um, it really shows you why we love Spider-Man, you know, this real sense of responsibility. Yeah, I mean, and I think, what is the line? It's like, if I, if I died, I'll, I'll do it as a man or something like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's really riveting. I mean, you know, it's, it's a very dramatic sequence in this otherwise kind of frivolous comic book um, and, and showy comic book. But... Um, you know, no, you're absolutely right. It's it's such a it's such a great sequence. It's probably the best of the fights that are in this. Um, that being said, his way of beating Electro makes no sense. Yeah, what what does he do again? He Remind wraps me. an electrical cable around his leg to ground him, right. which technically wouldn't work. Right. So he would just essentially be frying himself. But if you look at reprints, they have actually um, changed the wording. Around um, in in order to make it make sense, but in the original, it's not that way. There's some of that. That's that's real deep because I think I probably read this as it. Well, obviously, I don't own it, so I'm reading the reprint. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, next time you come over here, Mark, I can show you what it really says. Okay. Well, you you do that. You 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 keep working that in, Dan. I will. How many how many issues you missing? Uh, four. Okay. Just just checking. All right, I'm, I'm coming up from behind here, Mark. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And you and I had a, I have had like a what a five year head start on you. It's true. I got four to go, buddy. Okay, well, you know what? Get a wife and kid and see how much money you got for cops. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to become like an all out fist fight brawl here. <laughs> Look, this this podcast got dark fast. Anyway, <laughs> back back to um. Back to annual number one. Um, you know, the other thing that I've always kind of found a little flimsy in this is, you know, I know they explained it away as in uh, by saying like Betty Brant was um, that Spider-Man came to save Betty um, during the uh, Doc Ock uh, two-parter arc 11 and 12. But like I, I still found that whole thing of how are we going to draw Spider-Man out? Let's capture his girlfriend. And, oh, this old woman who happens to be standing there. <laughs> <laughs> who happens to be his name. <laughs> so, and who and, happens to fall in love with Dr. Octopus. Oh, my goodness. And the, that whole thing. I mean, oh, what a lovely man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just a fuddy-duddy. <laughs> know what else I just noticed for the first time rereading this again today is that Dr. Octopus is a smoker. Oh, I, I got to go back and look at that. I did not realize that. Yeah, in his first appearance in this issue, he's smoking a cigarette. <laughs> no joke. No joke. I wonder, I wonder what kind. I, I, hmm. Although I, 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 my brain is now thinking about, like, have we seen him smoking since? Like, I know I've seen the chameleon smoke. 
So is, you know. is is Doc Ock the one of the four out of five doctors who recommends smoking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that Doc Ock is always messing up these tests. He's the <laughs> dentist that doesn't recommend brushing his teeth. There you go. <laughs> Anyway, um, <laughs> that'll um, be that'll be another meme that we now get from our listeners <laughs> of Doctor Octopus recommends. Uh, let's make it ha- make it so, readers. Make it so, make or it, listeners. Why do I keep calling our our listeners readers, Dad? <laughs> I don't know. Um, how about Jonah talking to a spider? Oh, nothing is better than that. That, that might be the funniest. That might be the funniest few panels from the entire Dicko era. Yeah. That might be the funniest Jonah moment of all time. I, I mean, and this is a character who's had many of them, but yeah. I mean, talk about the context of that, Dan. Well, I mean, he he's trying to get in contact with Spider-Man, and he thinks, well, if Ant-Man can speak to ants, then Spider-Man must be able to speak to spiders, and there's like this giant spider outside his window he's just shouting at. Everybody in the office thinks he looks like a crazy person. <laughs> Um, let's talk about that that backup, Dan, with the Dick, the Dick Lee backup. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's pretty really legendary, right? <laughs> yeah, it is legendary. But what's so interesting about it is seemingly how open they are about their kind of working um, situation between each other. Because Stan Lee is, you know, portrayed as we know Stan Lee to be this kind of really bloviating. You know, uh, you know. There's a great moment in it where it says, like, you know, why don't you just go back to signing your name on things, Stan? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and and, but what's interesting about it is that you know, Dicko drew this, and it was if it was done the Marvel way, it means that Dicko would have had to draw this first, which means he draws Stan coming up with the ideas, right? Um, and uh, and that's so interesting because. He would go on to say that Stan Lee didn't come up with the ideas. So there's like a weird like openness and playfulness between the two that I think you would quickly lose here. And it might be one of the weirdest insights we get into their relationship about who is telling the truth and who's not telling the truth. Um, I don't know. I mean, what do you make of this? No, I agree with you. I mean, it's it's you know the the, the, the stuff with Stan and the and. And his relationship with Dicko and Kirby has just been dissected so many times. And I almost feel like because, you know, for so many years, Stan got so much credit that now, like, people are overcompensating and trying to take that credit away. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like, Stan Lee was clearly part of the creative process, right? I mean, like, like that's just been my always been my understanding of things you know like did should should have should the artists have gotten more credit sure but like i feel like like you said these little backup stories kind of illustrate that like he's 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 a part of this you know like he 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 was the idea man he was he was the marketer you know which i i think gets lost a lot you know like you know people say oh you know it's stan just bloviating like you're saying but you know, like you need you need a carnival barker you know, at the yeah, front of these things. I, and I, I'm agreeing with you. But what, what's interesting, about, particularly about this for me, is that it it seems as if the roles are flipped. Like if I had to assign like who came up with what, I would say like Stan did the artwork and Dicko did the wording because the wording makes fun of Stan and the artwork rewards Stan. You know what I mean? Mm. 
And it just seems weirdly backwards. And maybe at that time they were more open about being tongue-in-cheek with each other about their working relationship. That's probably it. Yeah, but it just seems weirdly backwards from everything we know about those two. Yeah, well, it's it's a fun little backup insight. I mean, you know, that and Peter's house, which I still just can't get over. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know. I just, I just look at the images of Stan surrounded by the comic book faces and of Steve sleeping and thinking <laughs> – Steve had to draw that, you yeah. know, and yeah. he obviously was seemingly okay with drawing it, you know. Maybe we need to get Steve on the show to talk a little bit yeah. about this. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, I heard he's taking interviews. <laughs> I don't know, just just interesting, just interesting stuff. Definitely, definitely. Um, do you want to take us home, Dan? Yeah, let's do it. So, guys, thanks for joining us for this episode. You can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com or find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please leave a rating and a comment to let us know how we're doing, and we'll be sure to read it on the air like we did today. If you have any opinions on these comics we've discussed or any questions, please make sure to email them to us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com, and we'll address and read them on the air. Yeah, and also be sure to check out both of our Facebook pages at Facebook.com slash SuperiorSpiderTalk and Facebook.com slash ChasingAmazing. Both of these sites are great ways to keep up with us between shows, as we often put up articles that we've written and other breaking news about the Spider-Man universe. Uh, also, please, please, please check out our friendly neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club uh, that helps support our shows. Uh, Dan, where can we find you on the internet? Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at, at @dangavazdan or on my website dangavazdan.com. You can read my movie reviews at grindmyreels.com, where I have my new X Men review, which I highly recommend you go and check out that film. Um, and you can read all of my Spider-Man stuff at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com or follow me on Twitter at, at @SupSpiderTalk. Mark, where can we find you on the internet? All right, so we, are, we, are we keeping tabs here to see who has more things to check out? I don't are, know. I think it's always going to be you. I don't know, man. I, 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 I still think you're a couple of legs up on me because you have personal things. But uh, <laughs> as always, the home base for me is uh, www.chasingamazingblog.com, which you can also follow on Twitter at ChasingASMblog. Uh, you can find some of my writings uh, elsewhere on the Internet at whatculture.com, either in the comics section or on the film section. Talk Talking about comic book movies, or you can find my gimmick or should be good column uh, at comics should be good. Uh, in this most recent edition, uh, will show hopefully be out by the time you guys hear this. Uh, to kind of tie into X Men, we talk about uh, the Age of Apocalypse, uh, X Men Alpha, X Men Omega issues, uh, the Chromium double wraparound covers. Awesome! I know nothing about that, so I'll check it out. Yeah, well, Age of Apocalypse, Dan. Must you must read it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the uh, comic event of the '90s. <laughs> well, there are a few apocalypse nods in this X-Men movie, so maybe my interest is peaked. There you go. Um, well, as your interest is peaked, you should also remember the great advice and the awful transitions that are set up by my uncle Ben, <laughs> who reminds us. With great podcasts, there must also come amazing spider talk. <laughs>